Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping B2B marketers do better marketing through content, community, and social media. My name is Jason Bradwell, and every week I sit down with whip-smart marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build an audience strategy that scales from day one, and that also delivers real business results, not vanity metrics. If you've come here for theory, then you may be in the wrong place. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go. And today on B2B Better, I am very excited to be joined by Gia Catanio, Senior Marketing Specialist at a global software engineering and design company. How are you doing, Gia? I'm doing well, Jason. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, really, really good. It's been a, been a long day, but this is a lovely way to end it. We have been talking, like the majority of my guests, on Twitter for a long, long time. You were very kind a year ago when I put out a call to educate myself a little bit on account-based marketing, ABM, to give me a little bit of schooling, a little bit of a 101 on ABM and how to set up a strategy. And I know you've been hard at work over the last 12 months building one of your own. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your role. Tell me a little bit about your experience working in B2B. Sure. So I started at this company close to 12 months ago. I focus on campaigns exclusively, but I do sit on the content department as well. Prior experience in B2B, I worked for a small postal software company before this. And then before that, I was in B2C marketing. Oh, cool. So you've operated on both sides of the aisle. What's your preference B2B. I mean, it's what I'm doing now. It's what I'm really enjoying and learning more and more about every day. So I'm going with B2B. Hmm. It's a lot of opportunity, I think, in B2B. Part of that is because the 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 bar is so low in a lot of a lot of places. But I don't know. I I think I kind of look at B2B because I've worked on, on both sides of the aisle too, B2C and B2B. And I don't know. I just I like the challenge that comes with working in business to business in terms of how do you make it more interesting and more educational and engaging and entertaining. I don't know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of B2B content is actually very hard to digest. So it's your job as a marketer to make it easy to digest. So I think that's a fun challenge and also making it like just more appealing and there is a longer sales cycle, which can be a little more difficult, but that's where ABM comes in. Beautiful segue. You should be hosting this episode. So you're right. We're here to talk about ABM account-based marketing. I think it's one of those things that a lot of us have heard about. It's appeared on more top B2B marketing trends articles than, than I'd care to say I've read. But for those of us who aren't quite clear on the definition of ABM, tell us a little bit about it. What, what is account-based marketing? So account-based marketing is a focused marketing program for a specific target audience of accounts, specific companies, and you use customized messaging and pieces of valuable content in order to educate your audience and build relationships with them. Those relationships in turn eventually will lead to new opportunities. So if I understand you correctly, it is one step removed by the sounds of things from a direct sales approach, right? Are you saying that it's, it is purely a kind of one-to-one -one marketing effort or, or is it something more than that? 
So the biggest thing with ABM is all about nurturing relationships. So a typical lead gen approach is, you know, here, here's this piece of content, give us your information. With ABM, we want to educate. We want to stay in front of our audience. We want to address their specific pain points and really be able to provide them with a personalized message saying, here's your challenge. Here's our solution that can help. It's the huge focus on relationships rather than getting a sale. Got it. And you kind of touched a little bit there around the edges on the kind of benefits of, of ABM, but spell it out for us. Why should B2B brands care about account-based marketing? It's where marketing is headed. So if you think about it, everything that we do online is personalized to us. Everybody has so much information. It would be crazy not to personalize their messaging. So that's the same thing with ABM is like I said, you know, with the pain points, really digging into those pain points. And each company has different challenges that they're facing. So if you can, you know, focus on one company or three or group a couple of them together and address those pain points, then it's even better. It's just, it's educational, it's personal, it's what people want. People don't want to be sold to all the time. And, you know, we're all pretty smart. We know when we're being sold to. We don't want that. The benefit of ABM is staying in front of your audience because people, there are a lot of options out there too, and people are going to do their research. Now, if you stay in front of them, you'll be top of mind when it comes for them to make a sale. And they'll know that, oh, these people are actually trying to give me valuable information rather than just getting my, you know, credit card number. Mm. The way I've thought about it in the past, just explaining it as an analogy to people is it's the difference between fishing with the net and fishing with a spear, right? When you do this kind of inbound marketing approach, it's about casting out a wide net, your piece of lead magnet content, and just seeing what kind of falls into it with ABM it is taking a much more targeted, focused approach, identifying, you know, these are either the specific mm -hmm. accounts that we're targeting, or these are the very, uh, this is the kind of group of very select accounts that we're targeting and tailor making a kind of Marcom's approach to speak to them, you know, fishing with a spear, so to speak. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I really like that. Another benefit too, is you're positioning yourself as a leader in your industry. So you're getting thought leadership pieces out there. You're getting case studies out there. You're just proving your point time and time again. So it's not fluffy. It's just very much here are solutions and services and how we can help you. Hmm. You and I both come from a background of enterprise B2B, where we're working with kind of big ticket, high value clients over long sales cycles, relatively long sales cycles. In my, in my experience, anything from three months to three years. To me, it feels like in those situations where the pool of potential customers you can target is relatively small, ABM makes a lot of sense. But is that the only kind of B2B company that ABM works for? Or is it really for any, any organization size? I think ABM can work for anybody. I mean, it's not a matter of quantity, it's quality. 
So if you have one company that you really, really want to go after and you think they would be a quality client, that's what matters. It doesn't matter how many people you pull in. I mean, to some people it does, but at the end of the day, it's quality. Mm. So we know what ABM is. We know why B2B brands should be considering it. And we know the kind of kinds of B2B brands now that also could use it as a marketing tactic. Talk us through what an ABM, ABM campaign will typically look like. You know, what are the elements that make up a successful ABM campaign? Sure. So every campaign is going to be a little different depending on your goals. But first things first, you're identifying pain points, then providing the relevant pieces of content that go hand in hand with that. Then you're identifying your target audience. What are their issues? Where do they live? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Facebook? Are they just opening emails? Where are they? Then you're going to deliver the information in a sequence of various channels. So we like to use social media, organic, paid, emails, nurture campaigns. Depending on the topic, Google ads might be appropriate. So it's just various ways of getting in front of somebody. And I think those are the biggest challenges and the biggest pieces to keep in mind when you're creating an ABM campaign is using all of the options that are available to you to get your message across. So it's when you, and when you're, when you're looking for your targets, are you going after the, the company or the Mm -hmm. group of companies, or are you going after one level deeper and going after the individuals within those organizations? So Like anything else, you have to start big before you can go small. So you are looking at the companies. It can start at an industry level in the very beginning, and then you can narrow it down. And you can look and see at the industry level, okay, what companies are resonating with our content and what we're presenting? And who are they going to benefit from us? If not, maybe you know, maybe they won't benefit from X, but they'll benefit from Y. So let's give them Y. Then you can narrow it down that way. And then you can, you know, go to the company level. And then eventually, yes, the ultimate goal is going to the individual level, but it takes a little bit of time to get there. Yeah, I I can imagine. So you need to understand the pain points that you're trying to address with your, your product or your service. You need to understand the group of companies, or even if you go down to this level of detail, the individuals within those companies that, that you're going to target, you need an understanding of the channels that uh, you're going to leverage to reach those companies slash individuals. And then I guess you need something to send them, right? Yeah. You need content. You need good, valuable pieces of content. And you don't want to use content just for using, just for the sake of using content. You want things that actually are going to mean something to your audience. Say you are, you know, your target audience is in automotive. You're not going to send them something about financial services. You're just, you want it to be very specific to what they're going to be interested in. And sometimes that involves revamping content and taking this, you know, part of the story and molding it to what is of interest of your audience. 
So you need valuable pieces of content and you need different types of content. No one's going to read five blogs in a row. No one's going to read 10 white papers in a row. You need to mix it up and keep your audience guessing and kind of on their toes of looking forward to what you're going to bring them next. Mm. What would be the difference, I guess, in between the a piece of a traditional kind of piece of inbound uh, content and something created for an ABM campaign? Is it simply the fact that, you know, you may rework some of the messaging to be focused on, on that individual or, or is there something else to it? I would say the biggest thing is call to action. So what do you want your audience to do with the content you're providing them? Inbound is more results driven. ABM is more value driven. So with inbound, your call to action is primarily going to be, you know, schedule a meeting, give us a call, sign up for, you know, this event. But with ABM, it's more just, here's another piece of related content that you can go to. Let us know if you have any questions. It's, it's just different in the way that you're framing the ask with ABM, you want to work for the ask and the ask is ultimately, you know, their time and attention. So that's why it's so important to give educational content that they're going to appreciate at the end of the day and want to learn more. Everything you're describing to me feels like a slightly evolved ver version of sales, right? Because if you just think about a traditional conventional B2B sales journey, it is a salesperson just doing outreach to potential prospects and, you know, hopefully personalizing some of that outreach so as not to come across like we all get these, you know, crappy cold email messages that do the rounds on Twitter every, every so often. How involved are sales in this process? I mean, is ABM, you know, it's in the name account-based marketing. Is it purely a marketing tactic or do you have to involve other parts of the business to make it successful? I'd say that marketing has to execute it, but it is very important to have other people in the business involved in it. So you want sales involved, you want stakeholders, um, industry experts, you want everybody to be on the same page. Now, it's a little easier said than done because again, sales tends to also be results driven, which totally understand, but ABM, you know, it takes some time. So it is being patient. And one of the ways that I think you can get sales involved is by just keeping them updated along the way, showing them that you're making progress, showing them that companies are interacting with the content you're putting out. Have Sit down and have conversations about what companies are interacting and do we want them or not? And let them have a say. So, you know, leave it to marketing to do the strategy and execution, but don't alienate the rest of the organization because you really need a team involved. And at the same time, the leads are going to go to sales. So you want them to be pumped about it and you want them to be excited that these leads are coming in and you want them to do something about it. 
you know, you don't just want the leads to go over and get lost in an email to never see the light of day again. That's mm. not the goal here. No, absolutely. I mean, there's their success is your success and vice versa, right? If, if, if you can develop a campaign that generates a really clear call to action and ask that gets a piece of business further, further down the funnel, further down the pipeline. I mean, that that's a win for everybody. Have you ever come up against any resistance, I guess, from sales colleagues? Because, you know, we, we, we've, we've all worked with sales departments, you know, and they're, they're under a lot of pressure and their time is incredibly valuable as is ours, you know, let's not lose sight of that, but still, you know, and in my experience, sometimes when you kind of throw in this kind of newfound strategy tactic channel that we want to execute on, that's going to not just involve them, you know, benefiting from the results, but actually require some active participation sometimes it can be like, well, look, I'm just too busy right now. Come back to me next quarter, come back to me next year, and we'll look at it again. Have you ever kind of experienced similar to resistance to that? And if so, how did you overcome it? So I've been really fortunate where my previous company was very small. There were, you know, two sales, two marketers, and we worked very closely together on these things. Where I am now, it's global company, a lot bigger. And I haven't received any resistance, luckily. It's more so curiosity and excitement of what the potential could be. So unfortunately, I don't have any like heroic <laughs> stories for you on that. But I'd say with the interest, the biggest thing is like taking the time to explain what the purpose of ABM is and what the purpose of the campaigns are and how it all meshes together. Instead of just saying, hey, we're doing this thing, we'll give you some leads later. You really want it to be more of a conversation. And, you know, there's always thoughts out there of an incentive program, a leadership board, and we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm interested to see if we can. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this applies not just to ABM, but I think all kind of experiments that involve other stakeholders across your business, I think it just takes one example of success to really kind of break down the, 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 the open the dam for everyone else to, to jump on board and, and see the, see the benefits of engaging in something like ABM. You know, if you can work with one colleague in sales, who's already bought into the idea that actually, you know what, if I collaborate with marketing, if you know, I really contribute to this strategy and to this effort, I'm going to see some levels of success. Us then as, as marketers, when that success comes in and we send the email or the Slack message saying everyone, hey, look, you know, Pete, Pete from sales has gone on and, and won this business following the results of our campaign. I bet more than anything, you, you, you'll be kind of fighting off people knocking on your door saying, okay, now I want a little piece of that. So starting small seems to me, as you said already, the, the way forward if you're, if you're struggling to get buy-in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about just education at the end of the day. And I think something that is going to be good moving forward, if you're in a business that is starting small with campaigns and ABM, it's just figuring out how sales emails and marketing emails are going to work in tandem. Where's the handoff? What messages are being relayed? Like, you don't want to have the same message. You don't want to have even one similar sentence. You really want to understand 
what each other's role is and mm. how to complement it. It makes me think about something we were talking about just before we started recording this episode about getting the foundations right before you jump into something like ABM. And we were talking about it in the context of having a platform or a system like HubSpot or Salesforce in place that allows you to kind of coordinate your activities across multiple teams and multiple channels. From your perspective, you know, what, what, does, what are the pieces that you need in place before you embark on ABM? What are a couple of the essentials? So I would say first things first, have an idea of what you want the process to look like. You have to identify team members, what each person's role is going to be, how they're going to work together, setting up recurring meetings. If it seems like you have too many meetings that are recurring, that's okay in the beginning. You can cancel, you can move them around, but it's really important to set that structure so that way you're planning properly and getting everything in place and keeping it moving. Otherwise it might fall by the wayside. Um, also templates are super helpful, especially if you're in a larger, larger organization, make it easy for everybody to work with you. That is huge. Also getting buy-in from fellow marketers people who might not be familiar with ABM, give learning lessons, lunch and learns, and provide them with the knowledge they need to speak to the stakeholders as well. You want everybody at the end of the day in marketing to be an advocate of ABM. And you want everybody to want to work on ABM because it's exciting. So it mm. should be treated as such. Um, so I'd say... Those are the huge things. And of course, what platform you're going to use. It might take a while to set that platform up. So get started earlier rather than later. And all the platforms are a little different. I've only had experience with two of them, but they all serve different purposes. So really doing your due diligence on that. Are these specific ABM platforms you're talking about that you've had experience with, or are you talking about more kind of general CRM? Email platforms. Mm -hmm. So um, Pardot and Marketo are the ones that I'm familiar with. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, especially in kind of fledging, fledgling, you know, marketing teams that are being built from, from the ground up, you're right. ABM is very exciting. You want to kind of get out there and you want to start delivering targeted, highly personalized comms to, you know, big accounts that uh, you can put onto your win board. But if you don't have the, the system in place to, to your point, coordinate activities between, between sales and marketing, and also to measure the results of your success. If you're just relying on spreadsheets, if you're relying on sending emails to your colleagues and sales saying, Hey, did you send that note? What did they say? Did they get back to you? You're going to spend the majority of your time just doing kind of admin work, really, for, for want of a better term, just to try and get a picture of exactly what's working. I know from my experience, having just recently put into place HubSpot, which I'd be interested to know if any listeners have, have used HubSpot for ABM, it has completely transformed my understanding on exactly the, the success of, of, of what I'm doing, because now I just have that visibility. I have very clear visibility. I can generate reports very quickly. I can assign tasks very easily. It's, it's an absolute game changer. So invest in the tech, invest in the systems as, as early as possible, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be crucial. And Never mind. I just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's no problem. I mean, you, you, you've alluded to it already, but I, I want to ask you directly. I mean, how are you measuring 
the success of your ABM campaigns? What do you, when do you know that it's been a, it's been a job well done? And it's back. That's where I was going. So it's all, I mean, there are a few different ways. First things first, your goals and KPIs that you set out in the very beginning, have they been met? You know, are you looking for 10 marketing qualified leads that can transform into two or three sales qualified leads? Are you looking for a certain number of downloads if you're sending out gated pieces of content? So definitely the metrics are what is the first thing to check off. The second thing is, are people interacting? Are you getting the right audience? If you're getting the right audience, that is great. Because I mean, you can target, but are you getting the people in the, you can target the companies, but are you getting the people in the positions that you're looking for to actually open your email, share your social media post, click on anything? You know, if they're engaging, I call that a win because they're just going to get further down on the line of nurture campaign. And it's just, it's easier to maintain and build that relationship. And again, like I said, quality over quantity. Quantity is beautiful metrics. I understand that, but ABM, it's the long game. And you don't want to go after, you know, the little minnow fish when you could get a shark. Mm. So that's really important is just who is engaging. I guess from a structural point of view, if you were in a position, a leadership position within an organization, it makes sense to create shared objectives across sales and marketing that would complement an ABM approach, right? It goes mm-hmm. back to our point earlier about, you know, their success is our success, our success is, is your success. Obviously, there are going to be variations of goals because, you know, you know, should sales be measured on something like web traffic? You know, perhaps not. But if you can create one or two or even three kind of North Star metrics that are shared across both sales and marketing that ABM is being used to, to achieve it gives you that kind of buy-in right from the get-go because, you know, we're all working towards the, co- the common goal. I don't know what you think about that or if you've had any experience with, with, with that kind of setup before. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to take a look at your website, how it's performing, the Google Analytics, because say you're not getting clicks, but you're getting page views. Okay, what are you going to do differently? That's another thing that I really want to focus on too is, Making changes throughout your campaign is very important. You don't want to launch it and leave it and just see what happens. You want to monitor it as it's going along. And when you see certain trends, like, for example, it's getting impressions but not clicks. Okay, why? Like, you have to do the research and kind of think analytically as to how can I make this better? So it is looking at, you know, LinkedIn statistics, every single LinkedIn statistic you have access to, look at it and use it. And then, yeah, the same thing with Google Analytics, the page views are like my favorite thing because I just find it very, very interesting on bounce rates 
need that. <laughs> like <laughs> you need to monitor your bounce rates and then compare it against other campaigns, compare it against your website standard. And there are a ton of different metrics you can use as well as heat maps for your web pages. Heat maps are a great tool that I feel like are very underutilized sometimes. They can give you a wealth of information and kind of guide your next steps. Mm. Again, it kind of goes back to the you know case of, of getting the foundations right before you before you get started because you know you just describe some of the stuff you just mentioned there comes you know you know Google Analytics so you can easily see you know views and bounce rate if if if, if you know just by download installing the pixel on your website from Google Analytics but things like heat maps you know that requires some thinking up front in terms of how you're building your website and whether it's 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 open to accept the API from another uh, platform that can like Hotjar that can actually help you generate those, those heat maps that requires some forward thinking. So I don't know whether, you know, in your experience, like how, how much time have you devoted before you've rolled out an ABM campaign or a strategy to, to, to thinking about these things and kind of like, what were, what were some of the kind of main considerations that you were, that you were working through during that planning phase? Sure. So in the initial planning stages, it's really seeing what's out there. Imitation is the biggest form of flattery, right? You don't want to steal, but you can always take pieces you like and, you know, create a Frankenstein of your own with your own spin on it. So doing competitor research, seeing what's out there, what you like, what you don't, signing up for emails, following everybody on, you know, social media platforms. But more than that, too, is like you don't want to just follow people that are in your specific industry. You want to go outside of that and you want to lay that foundation right at, right away. So think of, you know, image templates, email templates, how you want your landing pages to be set up. And then, like I said before, you always want to keep an eye out for that. So do it in the beginning, but also carry that through. You don't want your stuff to go stale. So your landing pages that you create, you know, in January should not look the same that next, you know, that December. Mm. It should be different. It should be an upgrade. You should be A-B testing, figure out what you like to A-B test and what you don't, what works, what doesn't. There's no harm in testing. And so I would say basically like all the visual aspects of it were super, um, super important to identify before we even got started in launching anything. And then the strategy, you know, you can start with a strategy and if you're just starting ABM, your strategy is probably going to be social media. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need other you need other channels. You need to use your suite of resources possible. And so it's it's also just kind of seeing what's out there and what's going to work and you'll learn that certain platforms work for certain situations and others don't. And you can do all the planning in the world. And the minute you launch your first campaign, something's going to come to you and you're going to be like, why didn't I think of that? That's crazy. You just add it to the checklist. 
I love a good checklist <laughs> and it's very important. And as your campaigns grow, it becomes a great tool. So, so, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, with everything that we do, it's, it's about remaining flexible and seeing what works and testing and, and, you know, having a strategy in place that's flexible enough to kind of adapt to, you know, unforeseen circumstances or learnings or what have you. But if we could rewind, you know, to, to the beginning of your ABM career and you could say to, you know, Jira of three to five years ago, just whatever you do, make sure you don't do X when you run your first ABM campaign, what would you be telling yourself? What's one mistake that you would tell yourself to avoid? Make sure everything works. <laughs> Test everything that you do because we've all done it. Something will go out and a link is broken a video starts in a really weird place. Um, just test everything. And if you're tired of testing, if your eyes are going cross-eyed, like have someone on your team help you. And like, also don't always, you might have an idea and all right, that sounds crazy. So let me explain. You might have an idea of, I really like this. So I think it's going to work. Now you can test it out, but get input and get input from people who you're not like directly working next to because they're going to have different ideas because, you know, they might be closer to the end user and have a better understanding of what they want, especially if it's, you know, very industry specific and they have a lot of knowledge in that industry. So don't try and do it all yourself and test everything. Wise advice. And I think, you know, especially on that first one about testing everything, when you think that you've nailed it and you think that you've got the process down pat, that will be the time that something breaks. Cause Lord knows I have done it a bunch of times where I've, 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 I've sent an email so many times that I just know if I duplicate it and I send it, everything will be okay. But then I don't know, maybe I've like accidentally thrown an emoji into the subject line by accident, or I've deleted the recipient list or something. So if it's feeling comfortable, that's when it's most dangerous, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's, it's a, as a marketer, it's good to have a little touch of anxiety here and there. 100%. Well, I'm just a ball of anxiety all the time. Um, five years ago, I think, you know, if, 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 if we'd read, read one of these articles, you know, what is the future of B2B marketing? ABM probably would have appeared on it. And I think, you know, as a, as a concept, it is fairly, you know, it's gaining, it seems to me, it seems to be gaining momentum in its adoption. Fast forward five years, you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in how B2B companies market themselves? I think it's really just going to come down to relating to your customers or your audience base with the generational changes in the workforce, you know, people leaving, people coming in, that's going to make a huge difference. Each generation views the world very differently, views products very differently, is going to view your business very differently. So B2B companies are going to have to adapt to that. Hmm. I read a stat the other day, which was that 74% of 21 or 40 year olds who work in B2B influence buying decisions for their company. That's a very different demographic 
to the B2B buyers of, of 10, 15, 20 years ago. They engage with brands in a very different way. They discover new products and solutions in a very different way. Um, they over-index on social, on, on web. They're always connected, you know, personal, professional lives are blurred. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's the opportunity is there for brands to kind of capitalize on that momentum. While to be honest, a lot of B2B brands are still kind of relying on the old tried and tried and tested methods that are slowly losing relevance. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Gia, this has been um, a wonderful, fantastic 101 on ABM. Thank you so much for coming on. Who should I interview next on B2B Better? Mm. So I would say, and please forgive me if I mispronounce a last name, but Bianca Ashalu. So I met her on Twitter and a couple months ago, we had such an incredible conversation about ABM that just left me so energized and excited and invigorated. So I think she would be a great guest to have. That's great. I think I follow Bianca on Twitter, but I'll definitely be hitting you up for uh, an introduction if if I could. But otherwise, Gia, thank you so much for coming on B2B Better. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your wisdom on ABM and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you've enjoyed it, you can check out my previous episodes via the link in the description. Or if you fancy getting a nice hot steaming mug of B2B marketing advice on how to build an audience for your brand, you can sign up to my newsletter, The B2B Byte, which goes out every Monday. I'll drop the link to that also in the description of this episode. See you next time.